so we're recording now. Where's your water? And we are in. Um, let me get up back onto the program here. We are in Isaiah 37 today. All right. So we are. Did we do 36? Um, I think we did that with 35 because it was. We did 35. I think when we did 36, you weren't here. Remember? Okay. Okay. That's right. That's right. We talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Hezekiah seeks Isaiah's help. So King Hezekiah is gonna gonna come. You can come with me. Yes. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, and do you remember what it was he heard? Oh no. I don't. Okay. Where's the Bible? Let's. I know. I'm trying to. Right there. I think it was the Torah scroll, wasn't it? I think it was. But let's. They they found it, right? Yeah, they found it, and we read about that in Kings. Doesn't matter what. No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter what version. We just gotta, we gotta like do a little summary of the end okay. here. Oh my goodness, that's all. That's moving. That's not very secure. I'm sorry, sweetie. Oh, just all my stuff. She she tried to stand up and she put her hand on the computer to stabilize herself and it slipped out from her. Oh, no, that wasn't. Oh, or was it Sennacherib? Yeah. Okay. So. Is Isaiah 37? No, we are 37. So last week was 36. Okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna read 36 real quick. We're in Isaiah 37. We are in 37. We are But I'm going to read 30. Well, I'm gonna read 36 real quick and and then we'll we'll talk in 37. So in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at uh, at Jerusalem in 36, starting from the beginning. I'm just reading through it real fast. I'm just reading through it so it can be on here. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to him. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of at least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy the land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of all the people on the wall. What What does that mean? Meaning, let's speak in the uh, language of the officials 
and not in our common language so that you're terrifying all of our people. Yeah. Let's negotiate this without you bringing everybody into it right now. We're the representatives. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like if, if Obama went over to China and, and yeah, and said, let's talk in English so that I'm not terrifying all your people. Okay. Except it's the other way around with who was representing who. So then Ali Akam, Shebna, or if like a Chinese ambassador came over here and he was like, why don't we speak in Chinese? I understand it. Don't talk English because everybody's, yeah, everybody's listening. So then Ali Akam, but the commander replied, was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the men sitting on the wall? Who, like you, will have, in, have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern. Until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead. So in other words. I thought you said sister. No, cistern. I know. So he's saying, if you make peace with me today, then you'll live in peace until we come to take you away. But where we're taking you isn't that bad. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvim? Uh, Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of, of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. Okay, so now we're starting 37. Yeah. As soon as Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and the senior priest covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. Oh, wow. That's a really vivid picture. I know. I don't know. What does yours say? No, I was just asking. Oh, okay. I, I'm using whichever one I had long ago set up in the, the content here. Um, that's why sometimes I pull in other versions if I don't like how that one reads. That sounds painful. Birth. There's no strength to birth. Now, it's also very, very 
male centric because actually as Tanya can tell you babies birth themselves I didn't need no strength but <laughs> I need nothing but but it is but for men to think of needing strength at that point makes sense cuz they imagine that's what it takes which is why they've got you you know working so hard at that point so It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So he's saying, maybe God will hear those words and know they're against him, and he will respond to the mocker. Not, there's not, we have no strength to do it. We need God to intervene. Can you tell us if he's going to? Is what he's asking. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor. In other words, I will affect his hearing. He hear a the Rabshakeh the Rab returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard, uh, now the king heard concerning Tirhakah, king of Cush, he has set out to fight against you, and when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, What? Is Cush Ethiopia? Yes. Okay. Cush is Ethiopia. Okay. Ethiopia. Yes. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations Okay. Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed? Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telesar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, the king of Hena, the king of Eva? Hezekiah prays for Jerusalem's deliverance and sent a cherub falls. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. So basically what happened was Isaiah said, don't worry, there's going to be a rumor and he's going to run off. So the rumor was that the people from Cush were going to battle. So the king of Assyria got distracted and went over to fight this other thing because he thought that was more imminent and he already had them subdued. But then his messenger went back to him because he found out that he'd moved without telling him. So he left. Um, so he received the, the letter and he takes it into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. 
Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria, or kings of Assyria, have laid waste all the nations of their land. He's like, he's right. <laughs> They've laid waste all the nations of their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord... So, so this is really important. Hezekiah went into the temple and prayed this before the Lord. Isaiah, not present, hears the response from God and sends it to it. Wow. Okay? So you don't really get, like, you, it doesn't emphasize those things. I mean, it's there, but sometimes we read and it's got, like, this immediate imminent, and then this happened, and then this happened. And no, he went into the temple and prayed, and then Isaiah sent this message. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your servants you have mocked the Lord, and you said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon, to cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, to come to its remotest height, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I plan from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins. While their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blinded before it is grown. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and coming in and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me and your complacency has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And you, this shall be the sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. So when he's talking to them about planting and then eating of what grows against it, he's basically telling them, honor the Sabbath year for the land. And I will preserve you in the land. That's what, that's what he's saying to him. And I think if you don't understand 
the commands about the Sabbath year, that's lost. Because it sounds like he's saying, work hard this year, and then, you know, you won't have to work so hard next year, and then plant some things, when really what he's saying is, you know, plant this year. Next year, don't. Eat what grows from what you planted, which is the Sabbath rest. So it means they were at the end of that cycle. And then the next year, you'll plant again because you'll still be here. Yeah. Now, if you don't honor the land Sabbath, probably not going to work out this way. <laughs> but if you, if you honor the, the land Sabbath, that shows you're part of the remnant. You're the ones doing what is right. <laughs> okay. For out of Jerusalem Again. shall go Again. a remnant. Okay, so therefore thus says... No, Again. no, no. Shh. I've got a tea. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came... By the same he shall return, and he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Wow. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Can you imagine looking at 185,000 bodies dead on the body. ground dead and you don't even know how hey, or why? Can you imagine how many people were there that 185,000 dead know, bodies right? and there were people to wake up to? <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm like, dang. That's a lot of people. How many people were out there? No wonder they were terrified. 85,000? Can you imagine if you woke up and on the edge of Buckeye were 300,000, 500,000 troops all ready to take you down? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine holding your strength and going, oh, God will save us? It's, I mean, I get that. And it's so easy to look at these stories and go, well, they should have just trusted God. Have you, you know, imagine the waking up to the troops because we have this idea of now where some leader of another country sends a threat via email. Right. You know, or sends an ambassador on a plane to tell him. But these kinds of things, they took years happening. You know, it says, so they took out all of Judah. Well, that's a summary statement. These people had been fighting, and that's what the reference to, we've gotten to the point of birth, and we don't have the strength. Like, we've fought for all this time. I, I One of the things I love about the Lord of the Rings movies is that it kind of captures that idea. You see the battle. You know, you see the progression of time. You yeah. see them getting weary in a way you don't generally see in the Bible movies that right. make it sound like all of a sudden all of Judah was at war. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this happened. Then all of a sudden, the, no. This was going on for a very long time. And then all of a sudden they woke up and 185,000 people are dead. And they're like, I know, huh? What the that heck? That was like the next morning, right? That should have been like the next day. Well, and, and yet at the same time, it doesn't actually say no, the next morning. It could have been over a couple of months. Wow. It could have been a chaos that went through them. It could have been a plague. Yeah, that's true. Um. I think one book that I read said that that archaeologists have found have found evidence and they found writings from Assyria that taught now 
did God do it through these physical means or was this the excuse that they were told and they wrote down? I don't know. It could be either. I'm, I'm okay with either. But apparently while they were laying siege to Judah, um, there was a rat infestation in their camp and they actually developed the plague and a bunch of people died. And so the others fled back home to try and escape it. So, was spiritual spiritual judgment given through physical means? I'm okay with that. Did the angel of the Lord himself go through and take him out? I'm okay with that. I don't know. All I know is 185,000 died and they lost heart. And they went away. This group that was saying, your God's nothing. We've taken out everybody and their gods. What makes you think you're special? Yeah. And God went, well, actually, <laughs> they're not special, but I am. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I know your arrogance and you're coming at me right now and it's not going to happen. So they were all dead bodies. And going back with the idea we've talked before with, uh, with uh, Jacob, that arose early in the morning can also be that reference to the idea of when their understanding came, when the sun came up, when that light came on, yeah. when they got that, when they went, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah their God's taking us out. Let's, uh, yeah. let's get out of here. That's what I was going to their awakening was realizing how many people actually Yeah, it's like, you know, 185,000, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to be 186, That's you know. That's a big enough debt for anybody. To right. See. You, there's no way you're going to miss that. Right. So then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. Okay. And, and as he was worshiping in the house, you let me know no, you're done with that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a lot of mess. I was like, maybe if I go really fast. It won't be so bad. No. You should have went to the next room. That's one of those right. things where you don't realize how loud it is until yeah. it's real quiet. And you're like, oh, like, man. <laughs> like in the movie theater when you take your own food. And you're like, I know. Yes. Huh? I know. Yeah. So then Senator of King of Assyria departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramalek and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword. Wow. And it's like, why are your sons murdering you? This is crazy. Well, maybe they thought he was weak for giving up on, on Israel. Maybe they thought it was their turn. Maybe yeah, he was. Let, a, let us take over. Dad's weak. Maybe he was a crappy dad. <laughs> and they were old enough to finally do something about it. Or he was old enough or off guard enough. Who knows? And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. Mm. Or maybe Esarhaddon convinced his brothers, his brothers to strike him down and so that he could take over. So, I know, it's all soap opera all of a sudden. It's all Rome. Well, it's Assyria. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rome comes out of that, but... No. So, yes, yes, it does. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I know, but on the recording, I say that, and you're like, no. <laughs> and they talk about sundials in the next chapter. I know that's weird. Now, but like, people, do people still use sundials? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. 
still, still yeah. I just, I guess I want to say at this time of upheaval in our country and at this time of, of, you know, not really knowing what the future is going to hold for us. I, I find it really interesting that so many people have this idea that America has replaced Israel as God's people. And yet America as a country functions a lot more like Rome than Israel. Yeah. And, and this blending of the church with the government has been because of believing that like Israel, we should be a theocracy. But it would be church laws that would be reigning and not God's law. And so when I look at all of this and see the big picture from both sides, you know, the political issues and the church issues, I just am more and more reminded, be the remnant. I can't control anybody else. All I can do is proclaim his word and, and try to be the remnant. And the remnant is looking to God, doing God's instructions, loving people regardless, standing firm in God's word. Not, it's not an anything goes. And this is where a lot of people go, oh, you know, oh, pacifism. You just lay down, let people do whatever. And, 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 and it's not that. It's, it's very much a place of strength that says, I'm going to do what God instructed even if it looks scary to do that, yeah. I'm going to do what God instructed. Even if people are shouting me down while I do it, I'm going to do what God instructed because he is my God and I'm not going to fear men. And yet there's this idea that's real popular within the church that if you're doing the right thing, you're safe. And on an individual basis, that's not really a promise. You know, because you because then you got to think. So all the apostles weren't doing the right thing. You know, one by one they were taken out. That's right. But the the goal is when you know the greater good, not as in good for the greatest amount of people. In other words, let's all figure out a way to be happy and get along. So much as the greater good, as in doing what is righteous. But making sure that what you're doing is what is righteous. Because there are a lot of people who think what they're doing is what is righteous. But if you take it back to the actual word of God and not some pastor's sermon three Sundays ago, you go, oh, that's not there. Oh, that isn't what it says. So now more than ever before, I'm hoping, and my prayer is that people will be driven back, whether they're within the church or whether they're outside of the church hearing the rhetoric, to go, wait, does the Bible even say that? Let me look and see. Just like one pastor. Did you just throw an F at me? (laughs) (laughs) She just rolled her eyes. It's a little, for anyone listening, it's a book on the letter F that just got tossed to me. <laughs> He's threw an F. Yeah. Don't be throwing F. Say sorry. <laughs> Don't do that. You're too silly. I know, a little F bomb got dropped on me. All right, yes. Don't seem to want to go away. So, and 
anyway, my prayer is that people will be driven back, whether it's out of curiosity or even, and, and, and I, I applaud this. If you've got, you know, if you're not a believer and you have people in your lives who are saying that they're Christians and they're doing things that just don't seem loving, a lot of times people will go, wait, does it really say that? I need to see if it says that. And, you know, I've said so many times, if you reject the wrong Jesus, you're not rejecting God. You're not rejecting salvation. You're just rejecting falsehoods that you should be rejecting. Yeah. And so a lot of times when I encounter people, they go, oh, I can't worship that God. I go, oh, me neither. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or I, I can't believe in that Jesus. And I go, oh, you and me both. That's not a good, that's not a right teaching yeah. of him. And so I am always looking for that place to connect with people on a human level so that I can hopefully speak the truth of God into a situation or an encounter um, in a way that is kind and firm or firm and kind, depending on what the circumstances require. (laughs) And usually with those outside of the church, it's kind and firm. And with those inside the church, it's firm and kind. So you gotta keep your feet on my face, sweetie. So on that note, on that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen. Stop that. Go open the trash can for your sister.